What is going on guys? Today's episode is brought to you by FedEx Office. A new year brings in a new beginning. For all my listeners that own a business, I want to tell you about FedEx Office. If you are just starting or have been running your company for generations, FedEx Office gives you the best way to print marketing materials, posters, signage, graphics, and so much more. With FedEx, creating, editing, saving, and ordering are fast and easy. We are teaming up with FedEx and Podgo to bring our listeners 30% off your next order of $100 or more at podgo.co forward slash FedEx. That's podgo.co forward slash FedEx for 30% off your next order. FedEx, the world on time. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Christian Hansen Show. I'm Christian Hansen, and this is my podcast. Today's a big day. Len Casper is on the show. For those listening who are Cubs fans, it happened. He's on the show. For those listening that are White Sox fans, congrats. You have one of the best in the business. He's yours now. Take care of him. Treat him right. But, uh, yeah, he was on. He's former Cubs TV play-by-play announcer, now White Sox radio play-by-play man for ESPN 1000 in Chicago, and he was on the show. It was huge for me as a lifelong Cubs fan myself. Um, Most, if not all, of my memories that I can associate with the Chicago Cubs organization, he's the man whose voice plays as the soundtrack to all of those moments. Let me walk you through this. So 13 years ago, I wrote to Len, telling him how big of an inspiration he was to me as an aspiring sportscaster. He wrote me back, saying thanks for the nice letter and best wishes. 13 years later, here I am, finally talking to the man whose voice has become so ingrained in most, if not all, of my Cubs memories. As a 24-year-old, I have no memory of Harry Carey or Jack Brickhouse or any other broadcaster in franchise history. Every single moment has been brought to me by Casper or the legendary radio voice, Pat Hughes. Instead of hey hey or holy cow, I'm used to oh baby when the Cubs make a stunning late game comeback. The point is, for many listening uh, to the show, friends of mine who are Cubs fans, we all can say unanimously unanimously, that Len Casper is as ingrained in the everyday rhymes of the baseball season as any of those other names. His voice carried us through the moments that defined seasons, childhoods, and memories. And he was on the show today. It was amazing. Um, we, we didn't just talk about baseball and the Cubs, because I, I didn't want to drown him through all that. He, he does that regularly, okay? Uh, we talked about his love for music. Uh, he, he loves Buddy Guy, the romantics. We, we talked about other stuff outside of sports, and I was glad I was able to do it. I was able to make it as humane as possible, and it was amazing. You're going to listen to my conversation with him right now. So thanks for listening. This is my conversation. Me and Len Casper talking. Enjoy. Well, uh, Mr. Casper, I, I can't thank you enough for giving me this opportunity. Uh, this has been a long time coming. 
I don't know, obviously you probably don't remember, but years ago, it was 2008, I was a little kid, and at that time I really wanted to get into broadcast. I really wanted to get into sports, radio, play-by-play. So I wrote you a letter, and you sent me this back, and you said, thank for the nice letter, best wishes, Lynn and Bob. And I kept this because I knew someday I would get the opportunity and I knew someday I'd be doing what I want to do, but I'd never thought in a million years that I'd be getting the opportunity on the other side of town. But needless to say, this is an amazing opportunity. Thank you so much. Well, it's my pleasure, Christian, and call me Len, first of all. My dad is Mr. Casper. Mr. Casper. <laughs> it's okay. I just, it's just like a very, it's like I'm on the edge. Like, I don't know, you know, it's still no, like, I, totally... I still see you up there at a, at a, I still have that much respect for you, obviously. So. But, well, I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, no, no problem. First off, obviously, congrats on the new job. Um, how's everything been since since that all went down? And was it was it one of the toughest decisions you've had to make? Because I do recall uh, you were quoted saying in 2004 when you left the Marlins to go to Chicago, you didn't want to leave Florida, but it was an opportunity that you couldn't pass up. To quote you, how hard was this move? Yeah, even more difficult. Yeah. I think what made it uh, a little easier is that we were not looking to. Oh, pardon me. You're we good. were not looking to leave Chicago, uh, and that you know I don't think I would have considered uh, going to another city. Right. So staying here was really important. Leaving the Cubs was very difficult, uh, but you know as I added up all the great experiences and memories, mm-hmm. sixteen seasons, a World Series championship. Yeah an amazing rebuild, uh, a lot of friends who will be friends for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. and the uh, the chance to get back into radio, which is something I had uh, really adored when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, the first half of my career uh, was in television, and I thought maybe the back end of it uh, could be in radio. Right. And if not now, probably never. So yeah. I just decided to kind of go for it. Yeah, it was scary and uh, mysterious and uncertain, but uh, I haven't uh, regretted it one second. And uh, I'm, I'm totally pumped about the season coming up. It's been pretty quiet to answer your first part of your question, yeah. how it's gone since the decision, just because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I haven't even been at the ballpark yet. Oh, wow. uh, so it's been a lot of Zoom calls and uh, remote uh, conversations, right. but I really look forward to being back at the ballpark and around people. Yeah, that, no that's kidding. the thing I miss the most. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just been a wild past season. I mean, I never thought that I'd be seeing you and JD call a game at Wrigley, but as a road game for the Cubs. It's just strange. <laughs> I mean, it, that, that had to be weird too, because I mean, as an announcer, a lot of the call and a lot of what you guys do is based on the crowd as well, calling a home run. Sometimes they could tell you where it's going before you know where it's going. So was that a little bit difficult this past season, trying to adjust and just wait instead of, uh, you know, how you normally would call a game? For sure. It was a challenge uh, that I tried to accept with uh, as much positive energy as possible, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, ruining the fact that uh, things were going to be a little more difficult than we're used to. And I thought we pulled it off. You know, if we're at a hundred percent accuracy, when we're at the ballpark, I would say we got to about 85% uh, being uh, away from the action and watching on monitors. 
Uh, it wasn't perfect by any stretch. Uh, I think discerning viewers and listeners could probably hear a little hesitation at times, uh, but for the most part, we were able to get on the air and it, it looked and sounded generally like a regular broadcast. But I, I have to say, I don't want that to continue much longer. Right. I think the best way to call the game is, is to be in the booth where the action is happening. And sure. uh, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that we'll be there at some point here in 2021. Yeah, I hope. Now, something I wasn't quite uh, aware of was when I watched your introductory press conference for the White Sox, which was interesting. It was just a weird adjustment. Um, was the love, admiration, and inspiration that Ernie uh, Harwell had on you. And I found it really moving uh, that when I believe you made the move from the Marlins to Chicago, or to the Marlins, he called you or reached out to you, and you made the move from Florida to Chicago, he called you. Now you made the move to the White Sox, doing what you grew up listening him doing, call games on the radio, not get that call because of him, God rest his soul. Was that something that hit you hard? Getting that transition to do radio now, not getting that call by the man who inspired you to do this. Yeah, you know, um, I I think it was just kind of those days where uh, a lot of emotions were hitting me and, and mm -hmm. you know, just thinking about exactly that, that uh, Ernie had reached out when I had made these big moves and, uh, you know, he had passed away about 10 years ago. Right. And, uh, you know, I know he would have been really proud of, of the decision. And, you know, I had so many friends in the business reach out to me and uh, express their support. Mm -hmm. and, and to be honest, a lot of people wondered, okay, why, why would you go from Cubs television to White Sox radio? And after right. four or five minutes of explaining, they're like, okay, I get it. And, you know, it was a move that wasn't made uh, out of trying to get more money, more fame, right. more whatever. It, it was all about kind of what's deep in my soul as a broadcaster. And I think at the end of the day, uh, hopefully people can appreciate that. And uh, there were some Cubs fans who were not real happy with me, right. which I actually took as a good sign that <laughs> they liked what I did. Yeah, uh, I expected some of that. But for the most part, people have been been really, really great. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, obviously you mentioned that leaving Florida you didn't want to do, but it had to make it a little bit easier knowing that, hey, you aren't actually leaving the city that has fostered you and welcomed you for the past 16, 15 years. You're just relocating within. Was that another easy part of the move as well, knowing that, hey, I'm not leaving you guys. I'm just, you know, picking up a new job down the street. I mean, psychologically, it's, a, it's an enormous change, sure. uh, not only for me, but but for my family. But yes, I think the literally not having to, to pack and, and move to a different place was uh, a big part of why uh, this became something that was realistic to do. Mm -hmm. As I said, I, I, I really can't think of a scenario uh, in which we would have moved to another place uh, to do radio or even television. I, I think the, the Cubs job is as as good as it gets. And really, I, I'm not sure there's another team or another situation that would have been, quote, better. Mm -hmm. uh, so the timing just happened to work out where the one job opened that intrigued me and I went for it. And uh, yeah, it's 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 something that probably won't happen a whole lot. <laughs> 
uh, down the road. But, you know, there is history of White Sox Cubs. Sure. Uh, Jack Brickhouse did both teams for a while. Uh, I want to say Bob Elson might have done some Cubs. Uh, obviously, Harry Carey went from the White Sox to the Cubs. Steve Stone has yep. done both. So there is precedent for it, although in most cases it's White Sox to Cubs. I, I went in the other direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think Stone went from Cubs to White Sox or whatever it was. But yeah, they, I feel like they, it's like you're, you're, they, they share each other. It's kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, that's wild. Now, another thing that I found quite interesting, too, is not only while you're managing to do, you know, your your job as play by play, you also would manage to to pull pull some weight at uh, formerly the Illinois Center for Broadcasting, but the Illinois Media School and working with with students and working with people trying to get into this industry. What was so important about being involved in that side of it, too? and helping influence and inspire that next generation of, of broadcast? Well, I think because of how Ernie treated me, mm-hmm. uh, it was really important to, to kind of pass it along uh, to young broadcasters. And I've had a lot who've reached out to me over the years. I actually uh, mentor a student at Marquette University, my alma mater, right. uh, every school year. So, you know, I try to be as open uh, and honest as I can with mm-hmm. the young people who want to get into the business. It's a difficult business sure. in a lot of ways because it's such a popular field. But there are a few things along the way that you can point out that uh, I was fortunate to be told when I was 19 and 22 and 25 about how to go about it. Mm-hmm. A lot of it you have to learn simply through experience and maybe a little failure along the way. But you know, there are no shortcuts. Sure. I think that's the, the number one thing, but it, it can never hurt to have someone who's been uh, through the ropes a little bit and, and can kind of help you navigate uh, through those possibilities. You have to remember when I came up, you know, the internet was not a thing. Right. Podcasts were not a thing. Social media was not available. I didn't even have an email address. So finding a way to contact people in the right. business was a lot more difficult, let alone the idea of everybody being pretty reachable at a, you know, the snap of your fingers. So uh, it has changed a lot. I think specialization mm-hmm. is no longer a thing, you know, saying I want to be a radio person or I want to be on TV or I want to do this. You kind of have to be able to do all of it right. in, in some form or fashion. And I, I think that's okay. And, and unfortunately, even back then, I, I think I was well-rounded, but, um, you know, the best advice now is just every bit of experience you can get will help you down the road. Sure. And I, I think you mentioned the internet and stuff like that before, when you started out, it had to be a little bit more difficult trying to put together, uh, you know, the, your run book or whatever your, your play by your notes and all that stuff. Cause you actually had to really dive deep and dig, 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 and dig for the research. Now you have you know, at the touch of your fingers, every stat dating back to so. I mean, has that really over the years? How has that um, changed and made the job easier and more? Um, yeah, just easier. Has, has it been a, a blessing over the years to see that switch and change in uh, availability and access to to information that helps you guys call the games? There's no question. It's easier to find information, sure. but in a weird way. It's more of a challenge now because that information is generally available to the audience. Ah, okay. Whereas before, 
you know, you get a media guide and, and a few other notes, you know, the pretty basic biographical information about players was right. not widely available. So that stuff was, was what you use. Now, mm-hmm. most of that stuff is pretty easy to find. So the challenge is to dig even deeper to find interesting stories or notes uh, about players or teams or situations that you maybe can't find. Right on the internet. And if you can find it, you know, you try to then use that to either talk to the player or kind of take a different angle or approach to it. So I would say it is easier than ever to find the information and to, to gather it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's so overwhelming. Sometimes you have to be able to sift through all the stuff that's not particularly interesting Mm -hmm. and, and find those little needles in the haystacks to, to do on the air. And I, I really enjoy that part of it. Uh, and, and the bottom line is if it interests me, I feel like I can make it interesting to the viewer or the listener, as opposed to trying to find stuff that I think other people will be interested in. Uh, when you do that, sometimes you can't really sell the info, but w- when it really captures your attention, sure. I think that's a good, you know, note to, to follow your gut. Yeah. For sure, absolutely. Now, what's a typical game day routine look like for for someone in your position? I've talked to a few people like Chuck Swarsky when I, I did some reporting for them for a website I wrote for, and I, I'd get there two hours before a game, and I'd ask him how long he's been there. I've been here five hours already. I'm like, what? The game's at seven at night. I've, you've been here at one? What's the daily routine like, let's say, for a 120 start at Wrigley? What's what's the day? What is game day routine like for someone in, in the booth? Well, the day games, it's uh, definitely a little <clears throat> more squeezed because sure. uh, the early start. But I'm probably uh, at the ballpark by nine thirty, nine forty five. Oh, not too bad. I've already done uh, maybe an hour, hour and a half of work at home, mm-hmm. uh, reading all the articles on both teams. A lot of your preparation for baseball because it is almost every day be, comes from the night before. Uh, so I'll try to get to the ballpark, 945, 10 o'clock, go down to the clubhouse for a half hour, talk to the managers some players, you know, media relations staff, find out if there's any news of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might pop over to the other team's clubhouse if I have any questions. Uh, typically for a day game, there might not even be batting practice. So I'm up in right. the booth by 1045, 11 o'clock. And then, those bad. next two hours are feeling, you know, filling out your scorecard, right. uh, going over what we're going to talk about on the, the pregame coverage and uh, get ready to roll. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I, I'd say typically for a seven o'clock game, I'm there around three o'clock. Uh, so you spend a good seven, eight hours at the park every day, but it's a it's a 365 day yeah. uh, job. You know, even in the off season, I'm I'm looking at uh, stories about players and things and doing research oh, wow. and you're just, you're, you're constantly updating and keeping tabs on what's going on in the business. And uh, without doing that, it, you know, becomes a lot more onerous when sure. you have a game coming up against a team that you have no information on. I, I generally keep general tabs on all 30 teams. So I'm not too surprised by much. Right. 
Now you mentioned that in the off season, even working and stuff like that. What is that research and stuff? Where is that going? Are that is that just notes that you take down and use, you know, for the upcoming season, or is this stuff that you are you writing stories and putting out content elsewhere? Or what? I mean, where does all that research and documentation that you go and do in the off season translate it's and all, pour into next year? It's all, yeah, it's all for me. Uh, okay. I I have a player profile. Um, uh, I guess it's a text edit document. Oh, okay. um, I'm, a, I'm a Mac guy. So yeah, me too. yeah it, would, it would be like, you know, Word, but um, sure. so I use text edit. And so I have a, a file for pr- player profiles. I have a, a, a file on every team uh, with, you know, historical notes, um, mm. just general things about the team and the manager and the front office and things like that and ballpark information. And so I try to keep those as up to date uh, as I can, as we're right. recording this, this podcast, uh, the Cardinals are close to acquiring Nolan Arenado from the oh, Rockies. Wow. So I will you know, definitely make note of that for, for his file and for mm. my Cardinals notes. Uh, so things like that, you know, it's just news of the day, right? Uh, no matter when it happens, you know, I'm always kind of keeping as up to date as I can on the league and, and, right. and what's going on. Sure, absolutely. Now, um, I know a big part of the move to the South Side is radio is the fact of the dream of being able to call a World Series, possibly. When you look back at your time with the Cubs and just in your career, what's the most memorable game you've called so far? Because obviously <sighs> during the playoffs, you know, that that's something that gets stripped of the local or the home team play-by-play announcers it's all national now you get the opportunity to possibly do this with the south side what's the most amazing game you've ever called in your career because the playoffs unfortunately was not something that yeah there've been a there've been a lot of them um i think of a comeback against the rockies in 15 i think uh chris bryant Bryant hit a hit the game ending home run. I think of the game against Milwaukee in 07 uh, that ended with a Ramirez home run off uh, Francisco Cordero. Mm-hmm. Uh, that call is one that a lot of people uh, remember. Uh, I think of opening day in 08, I think. Kosuke Fukudome yeah. hit a game tying homer in the ninth. Uh, the Cubs actually lost that game in extra innings, but I just remember uh, his his debut uh, was was really neat. But there there are a lot of games uh, along the way. Javier Baez and his debut hitting the big home run in extra innings uh, in Colorado. Yeah. Starlin Castro's debut homer in a triple six RBIs. I mean, it's just it's just too there are a million. Yeah, yeah, there are too many to to name. But I I'd say um, I'd say the Ramirez homer against Milwaukee that. The way that game finished uh, definitely stands out to me. Absolutely. Now, when you look back at your time with the Cubs, did you ever imagine you'd be a part of a hundred plus, a uh, hundred plus loss losing Cubs team, and then a hundred and fourteen win Cubs team, including the playoffs combined, with only four years of separation between the two? I mean, has there any has there ever been a a a complete one eighty of performance and progression? in the history of the league in such a short period of time, do you think? No, I, you know, I, 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 I look back and the, the road felt longer than it was, but sure. yeah, to, to, 
to have a team that was at the bottom of the league. I mean, the Astros kind of did it too. They, they yeah. would go on to win the world series the following year, but no, I, 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 I knew that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer and eventually when they hired Joe Madden, that they would get it done. Mm-hmm. But I had, I could not have imagined they would do it the way it went. And 2015, you know, that's the year that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Right. Uh, the, the, the big four game sweep against the giants in August, uh, the win against the pirates, Jake Arietta in the wild card game, beating the Cardinals in that postseason series with Schwarber's big home run on the top of the right field scoreboard. I mean, that, that year was and look, it's not as fun when you end up losing right. uh, in, in the NLCS, but I think uh, in getting swept, but it just gave everybody a taste of what could come next. Sure. And as much fun as 16 was and as historic and amazing, I think, you know, the year before you could, you could see the seeds of that. And uh, that, that, that year in particular really stands out. Absolutely. Now, when you're up in the booth with, with JD, you guys are fortunate enough because a lot of those seventh inning stretch guests, the guest conductors, they'll come up in that booth. Over the years, what has been your favorite guest or guests um, that you've had the opportunity to have up there in the booth and do those short uh, in-inning interviews with? Uh, Eddie Vetter always stands right. out. He's such a good dude. Um, we've had Sting. We didn't interview Sting, but I got mm-hmm. to meet him. Awesome. Tim Robbins. Uh, there are a lot of really cool celebrities we've had a few who didn't quite get the song right jeff gordon stands out and that became a a big story but he was really nice Mm -hmm. Uh, but generally the people who grew up cubs fans the ex-players uh those those interviews are always a lot of fun and uh yeah the stretch is is a pretty special thing at the ballpark i missed doing it last year we yeah all of them on the scoreboard um but you know, that'll change, and uh, I look forward when the White Sox and Cubs play to uh, experience that again a couple of times a year. It's going to be a little different sitting in a, in a different booth at Wrigley when that time comes, though. A little bit strange. That's wild. Now, getting away from baseball a little bit, I know you're really into music. You love music. Um, and you find time to play, you know, little one-off gigs or just sit in and just play live music. How do you find that time during let's say a regular season when you're on the road is there do you ever have time to to break free catch a drink watch a little live music and then get back to action the next day how how do you manage to to still keep up with your love for music in addition to calling the game you love i think it's really important during a season to to have some hobbies and uh, interests that are sure. not related at all to, to baseball, you got, you got to take your mind away from it because Mm -hmm. it's such an immersion for six to eight months every year. And I think mentally that break is important. So I seek out those moments as much as I can. And I, you know, I miss that, that that's, you know, I miss traveling. I miss being able to explore different cities and, and check out new places, but yeah, I've been able to fortunately get to see a lot of cool music over the years based on my travels and uh, i i'm just 
so pumped to be able to do that again at some point, and I hope it's sooner than later. Uh, we need live music. Yeah. We need it desperately. A lot of these small clubs are barely hanging on, and uh, that's why I hope we can can open things up as soon as possible. Right, especially uh, theater in Wrigleyville too. The Metro. I mean, they 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 shut their doors. Not, I don't think it's permanently, but it's just because they can't afford to to keep it open. It costs like nine thousand a month for a place like that, even with the lights off and everything off, just to still keep keep the business running, which is really unfortunate. Um, I it sucks. Like when the when it does come back, it's like where are they gonna play? That's the sad sad thing about it so uh, i'm glad we finally got the thing passed for for the save rest stages which is great but when you were growing up what are some of your early inspirations when when it comes to music i know i i've seen that buddy guy was a huge uh huge one for you um i think what was the other one the romantics i believe was that one of them what were some of those early inspirations for you and how'd that kind of mold you because music can mold you into a person it, it can form an identity for you um, as you develop and mature, what was the band that really kind of molded you um, and matured you over the years? A band that you kind of can identify with is "This Is Me." <laughs> wow, it's a, it's a really hard one to answer, but I actually grew up listening to my mom's records: the Beatles, sure. the Stones, mm-hmm. the Monkees. Yeah, <laughs> my my grandfather was into Johnny Cash. Uh, I actually saw Johnny live. Oh wow! In 1979, uh, which and got to meet him, which was really uh, quite a thrill for me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm a product of the 80s. Uh, the Romantics from Detroit uh, were a band that I've seen more than any other, and really, really love uh, the power pop kind of stuff that they've put out over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, the band I probably connect with the most, I mean, that changes at, sure. at one point I would have said the replacements, I think now, uh, the church, a great Australian band that, uh, got started in the early eighties, uh, definitely connect with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to, uh, I try to be as open as I can to new music in particular. Right. And that keeps me young and not just rely on, uh, the bands that I listened to growing up. So I'm, you know, I, I, I talk to my 19 year old son and he sends me new music all the time. And I, uh, I, I never want to be the person who says, ah, oh, all this music today, you know, is not as good as it was back when I grew up. Right. But there's a lot of great music now. And uh, I try to be open to that as I can. Yeah, absolutely. And I know even with the Cubs, they would have events at the Metro where you'd have Eddie Vedder, Buddy Guy and stuff like that. Being a part of those moments had to be special. Amazing. Amazing to be on stage and just to to watch Eddie do what he does and to uh, to have Buddy Guy uh, a couple of years ago uh, play a just a blistering set. Yeah, uh, it was really amazing. I've I've met so many cool people and a lot of heroes of mine, and they've become friends. And um, that that's something I cherish. And again, I miss. You know, we haven't been able to do that for the last year. Sure, and uh, I. I I'm I'm dying to be back at Metro on stage uh, with uh, all these great musicians. Absolutely. Now, a question that I I love bringing up because a lot of people don't, I I feel, don't actually have the time to to really think about it because everyone I've talked to, they're usually super busy. But have you ever had enough time to sit down and really grasp, understand, and compartmentalize the fact of what you've been able to do and how blessed you are to have done what you've done so far in your life 
I mean, because you're always on the road. You don't have much time, I would think, to just sit back and go, wow, I'm blessed. Like, is it, do you have that time? And what, what is that moment like for you when you're able to just realize, like, wow, I have it. Like, this is great. Do you have, do you have those moments where you're able to realize exactly how special and fortunate your job is? All the time. Uh, you can't let it affect how you do your job. And, right. You know, you, you can't just kick your feet up and say, I have it made and sure. I don't need to continue to work. But uh, I, I absolutely know and understand how special this whole thing is. And it's a huge responsibility. And when people tell me that I'm part of their family because they watch baseball every single day that 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 means the world to me and I, right. I I don't take any of it lightly but I try not to take myself too seriously and understand that it's the position I hold not necessarily me mm-hmm. um, but yeah no I, I I'm very lucky and very fortunate to have been able to to be around the ballpark and and meet all my heroes and to be able to have the best seat in the house and call that my job mm-hmm. The fact that they pay me to have the best seat in the house. I mean, that's, you know, I, I'm the luckiest guy in the world in that, in that way. Um, but I still have a deep desire and drive to be better every day right. and to be the best broadcaster I can be. And I never want to lose that. And I think that that fits into the move I made is making sure that I'm always challenging myself intellectually and uh, emotionally connecting uh, to everything I do in this business. Sure. And uh, that's why I'm so jazzed about, about this move uh, is that it's something completely different from, from what I've experienced. Right. And uh, that, that has me incredibly excited. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it is obviously a different move, but is the routine is yes, obviously you're going from TV to radio. Is that routine, the, the structure and the format, the, the traditional routine of still calling a game, is that going to remain the same or is it a completely different, way of broadcast i think it remains to be seen Uh, sure i'm gonna probably approach it initially very similarly to how i have uh, for the last 20 years Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that will translate but there might be tweaks and things that i need to be more aware of in my preparation because a lot of my job now is about the what as opposed to the how and the why. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to describing what I see for the listener, uh, there's a lot more detail in that right. uh, that I need to, to be aware of as opposed to on television where everybody can see what see. I'm talking about. So it just, it's a different part of the brain, I guess, that gets mm-hmm. exercised and, and challenged. Um, but I, I, I very much look forward to that. And I'm sure that as time goes on, that, that, that preparation will, will change just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Because like when you're, when I listen to the radio, it's always listening to Pat saying Cubs out here in the white blue pinstripes, they, you've got to visually describe that for, for the listener. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a hard job. I think it's a lot harder than it, it, it looks or sounds. Um, but to do that on the fly without skipping a beat is just, it's really impressive, and I think you're going to do great with it. And I, I, I can't, I can't wait. Like I, I'll be listening to Sox games this year because I mean I, I've missed your your voice for me. I'm 25. I'll be 25 in April. 
For my life, you are the Cubs. I have had no memory of Harry Carey, Jack Brickhouse, or any other broadcaster in the franchise's history. Every single moment has been brought to me by you or Hughes on the radio. I mean, instead of hey, hey, or holy cow, I'm, I'm used to saying, <laughs> oh, baby, when the Cubs get that late game comeback. <laughs> the point is, Len, is that your voice is ingrained in my everyday life. The rhymes of the baseball season as any of the other names. Um, your voice carried me through the moments that define seasons, childhoods, and memories. And I've always enjoyed your call, ability to remain progressive in your analysis and commentary of the sport I love so much, baseball. Sadly, an era of Cubs baseball has come to an end, but a new one begins for you on the south side. Um, thank you so much for, for everything and just giving me an opportunity to talk to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Wow, well said, Christian. I, I really uh, appreciate and, um, you know, uh, it means a lot, it really means a lot to me very personally that, uh, you consider uh, me to be such an important person in that, that way. And, uh, as I said, I, I cherish all those memories. Uh, I take that responsibility very seriously and I definitely, I'm going to hold you to it. I, I want you to be a part of our listening audience with the White Sox and, yeah. uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ride. I can't wait, and I'm always rooting for the Cubs. They'll right. always be in my heart, and uh, I'm I'm a I'm a lucky guy. Yeah, I'd say no kidding. But uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Lon. You got it. Anytime. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. That was my interview with the man himself, Mr. Len Casper, former voice of the Chicago Cubs, now radio voice of the Chicago White Sox. Crazy, just crazy to. To, to think that he's gone but uh that was so kind of him he gave me a little over half hour of his time he was so genuine and real and human uh, he's just a great person I, I had so much fun thanks for listening uh, be sure to subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. follow us on spotify iHeartRadio. there's a video version of the interview that's available on instagram tv youtube wherever you can find video that's where it's going to be So thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on The Christian Hansen Show.